Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the One Year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is January 27th, and our reading comes from Matthew chapter 18. It says this, beginning in verse 1, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is going to teach us today about greatness. Watch this. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. I love this picture. Jesus wants us to have the heart of a child. What does that mean? Let me give you at least four characteristics. Number one, a child is humble. I mean, they're just naturally humble. It's easy for them to admit, I need help, right? I mean, my kids constantly run to me, dad, help me. In fact, they usually ask me for help even when they can do it. Right, And part of what I'm trying to do as a parent is teach them to be independent and they can do it even without my help, especially with a a little guidance. But as we get older, we kind of go in the opposite direction where it's difficult for us to admit I need help and to ask for it. Jesus wants us to have that simple childlike humility to come to him for help, which brings me to the second idea is a child is dependent. A child is dependent. So without a parent, a child can't even survive. They certainly couldn't shelter themselves, feed themselves, protect themselves. They need a parent. They need a guardian. They need a protector, a provider. They need somebody to to play this role in their life. And the same thing is true for us. God wants us to learn to live in dependence. In fact, if I were to define the Christian life in two words, I would say, It's humble dependence. And that's what Jesus is really getting at in this passage. Let me give you two more. Third, a child is innocent, right? They just assume the best. Every day they wake up thinking this is going to be a great day, right? They just have this youthful innocence about them. And I think really we've got to fight for that. We've got to be careful not to allow the world and the kind of the world system to steal that away from us. Let's wake up in faith every day, believing God is with me and for me. He loves me. It's going to be a me and God. It's going to be a great day today. And then a final thing, the fourth thing is that kids love. You know, one of the beautiful things about little kids is they just naturally love each other. They they naturally hug each other. They naturally want to play together. You know, the truth is we learn. We learn to be hateful. Hate is learned. Prejudice is learned. Our differences, all of that is, those are learned behaviors, right? But when we become like a child, all of the things that have a tendency to separate us, they flee from our mind. And what we see is people loved by God, people that Jesus died for, people created in the image of God. What we see is our brother. Man, I just love that. We're becoming 
like a child. Now, notice what Jesus says next, verse six. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it'd be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. In fact, he says, goes on in verse seven to say, temptations are inevitable, but sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. The next thing Jesus says is that if we take advantage of the vulnerable, the weak, man, there is a serious consequence for that. If we cause one of these little ones, and that doesn't just mean children, but it certainly includes children. In most cases, it certainly includes women. In most cases, it certainly includes the poor. If we take advantage of the weak and the vulnerable and the needy around us, Jesus says, man, that is unacceptable. That fires him up. One of the things I love about the new Chosen series is being able to see how Jesus relates to the most vulnerable among us. It gives you a picture. It allows you to enter into that experience and to feel, to feel Jesus's love and compassion and concern for those who are hurting, those who are vulnerable, those who are like children. And so we need to be very, very careful to make sure that we use our influence, use our power, use our resource to bless, to encourage, to lift up, not to oppress. Jesus says, if we make that mistake, boy, it is a serious, serious thing. Then he says, verse eight, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it out. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, get rid of it. In other words, if you're struggling with sin, we cannot play with sin. We shouldn't protect sin. We can't dance around sin. We can't hope it goes away. No, we need to take some extreme measure. Why? Well, James says, because if sin is allowed to grow up, it will kill us. It'll destroy our lives. So when we see sin in our in our life, we don't want to be naive about the potential danger that it presents. No, we want to be radical in getting all sin out of our lives so that we can have God's best. Remember, all the rules that God gives us is to bless us, to protect us, to guard our relationship with Him, to guard our relationships with each other, to guard our life from the attacks and the traps of the devil. Verse 15, if another believer sins against you, now this is so important because at the end of the day, even in church world, even in our marriages, a good marriage, even with our kids, even when you're great parents with great kids. The truth is, in relationships, we get offended sometimes. People hurt us. I hurt people, and, and I offend people at times. I do the wrong thing. I sin against others, and they sin against me, and that's part that is part of all relationships. What do you do when that happens? Here's what Jesus says. If a believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, well, you've won that person back. You've protected the relationship. But 
If you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church or to a leadership team at the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Man, I love this. In church world, if Christians would follow these three simple steps, it would protect our relationships. It would protect the culture of the church. It would give us all an opportunity and a culture of grace to learn, to grow together, to offer and to receive forgiveness. It creates this beautiful moment. But when we fail to do this, literally all hell breaks out in the church. And the devil works in conflict in the church and in marriages and with kids and at work. The devil is often hard at work in conflict. Remember, to isolate us, to control us, to destroy us. So Jesus gives us three simple steps. When somebody sins against me, first I need to go to them one-on-one and try and work it out. Then, if I don't get the response that I want, first I have to decide, is this important enough to take another step because sometimes it's just a little thing and you bring it up and you don't agree but it's not important enough to worry and you just you know you just decide to move on but if it is important enough the next thing you do is you find a person or two that you trust that's spiritually mature that you know is a good listener and who's willing to tell you and that other person the truth. And you say, you know what? Joe and I got together and we tried to work it out and we couldn't. And I really need another set of eyes and ears to to listen to this situation because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Joe's right. Or, or if Joe is wrong and I'm right, we just need some help getting on the same page and working this out. And I trust you. So you invite that other person or two to be a part of the conversation. At the end of that conversation, once again, you've either reconciled and everybody's on the same page and you love each other and you make up and you offer forgiveness, all that good stuff, or if you have that conversation and you still can't agree, then once again, you got to decide, is this important enough to take the next step? Do I need this to be settled? Do we have to agree or can we agree to disagree? And sometimes you can just agree to disagree and walk away and and keep loving each other and and just say, you know, we don't agree, but we're still brothers and I love you and we're going to move on. But if it's too important to do that, the next step is you get a, a group of church leaders. In our case, we would never bring this in front of the Sunday service because you've got all kinds of new believers and unbelievers and people at different places in their spiritual journey. That wouldn't be appropriate. It's far too big a crowd. But what we would do is get a group of pastors together and allow those pastors to hear the case and to basically to exercise judgment to say this is what we think is the truth this person's right this person's wrong or maybe you're both right or maybe you're both wrong or trying to you know help them to see what is true agree together forgive each other love each other and come on press on together see again god's given us this instruction so that conflict doesn't take us out the truth is every conflict is an opportunity to get to know each other better 
to love each other better, to grow spiritually, because often in conflict, my flesh and my pride and my insecurities and my fear of vulnerability and and my past all gets tangled up in conflict. And so there's so many moments and opportunities for me to see things I wouldn't otherwise see and invite God into those places and into that moment to bring healing and maturity and, and to help me grow up and to mature. So conflict really creates all of these great moments for us to grow and mature together. But if we don't take these steps, if somebody sins against us, and instead of going through these three steps, we start blabbing about it to somebody else, gossiping, slandering this person, then all we're doing is we're destroying our relationship with that person and other people's relationship. with. We're bringing strife. We're basically inviting the devil into our conflict. Man, let's not do that. Let's not be an agent of the devil, right? Let's not work for the kingdom of darkness. We're children of God. And so we want to follow this advice, these steps, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of our relationship, for the sake of our spiritual maturity and our hearts, and recognize every conflict is an opportunity for me to grow and for us to grow and for our relationships to protect and to guard and to glorify the kingdom of God. Man, I hope that's encouraging to you. Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word today. So encouraging. I pray that all of us would have simple childlike faith, that we'd humble ourselves, that we would lean into you every day, learning to depend upon you. God, that you would give us a real innocent heart, that we'd wake up every day believing today is going to be a great day. And God, is with me. And Lord, I pray finally that we would love each other like children do. God, with a a real innocent love. And then when we do have conflict, help us to take these steps to guard and to protect our relationships. God, we don't ever, we don't ever want to be a stumbling block to other people's faith. We don't ever want to hurt people in the body of Christ. And if we're sinning, God, we want to be serious about that and get it out of our life before it ever hurts us. So God, help us to work together as as a family so that we can all learn and grow and mature together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.